Amen. Peace and many blessings. We welcome you all into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. This month is Evangelism Emphasis Month. Amen. And um, as you can see, very ready to step out there. Amen. This is our T-shirts for Saturday coming, and God willing, Sunday as we go out for our general outreach. The T-shirts are ready with Farouk, so please make sure you get your own. And they are very beautiful. Amen. Yes. All right. Shall we share with a prayer? Father, we are grateful unto you tonight. Thank you for gathering us unto yourself. And thank you also for giving us this burning desire to reach out to our community, our loved ones, and the people around us that they also may inherit eternal life. Tonight, as we go into your word, open our hearts, let our hearts burn us, and grant unto us vision and compassion and love for the dying souls, so that they too can come into your kingdom. Bless this gathering, and let your will and your purposes be done as you use me to proclaim your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, um, we thank General Vasia, Reverend Dennis, for giving us this opportunity. Today or tonight, we're supposed to share or treat a different topic, but um, he thought it wise that we should rather um, spend the time to talk about what is happening this month, even as we mobilize ourselves to hit the streets and to go into our neighborhoods to share and spread the gospel. Hallelujah. So, so for thank you for the opportunity. Amen. And so tonight, uh, my message is going to be full of testimonies. And um, I'm sure that in this church, uh, we lack we don't lack the understanding of what God has commanded us to do, particularly when it comes to the sharing of the gospel. Um, in, unlike other places, we spend quite a lot of time to teach on the reason why we should not sit down, but go out there and share and preach the gospel to everyone. And so... Um, I will do a bit of um, doctrine and a bit of testimonies just to bring our mind to certain things and also to provoke us to arise to do what God demands of us. Amen. And so I will start taking my scripture and I'm 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 preaching to you on what I've entitled the transformative power of of the gospel of Christ Jesus, the transformative power of the gospel of Christ Jesus. This year, as we've kept on, we've said it over and over again that the word came, or the Lord visited us strongly with his word and commanded us not to be ashamed, but step out there to declare the word of God to everyone and we've talked about a couple of times 
the importance of this gospel and the need for us to rise and to share it or to give it out. So tonight we'll look at a few reasons why it is so important that you and I take the gospel to wherever it needs to go. Hallelujah. So the gospel is transformational. That is one thing we all must understand. Um, even before I dive deeper into what I want to talk about, this church is a missionary church. Our founder, Reverend Macaulay, left his country, his comforts, and came down to Ghana, Africa. And I'm sure when he landed here, Ghana wasn't what we see today. But ignored his comforts and all the good things he could have enjoyed in the States and came down here to labor so that you and I today can be part of a church called Covenant Family Community Church. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. When we went for Mr. Anipe's funeral and the testimonies were flowing, I was putting my mind together, thinking about a lot of things. And one thing that came strongly to me was when Mr. Anipa joined the church, he was very deep into, you know, his hometown practices and all of that. But through the Word of God and through the listening of the Word of God, he became virtually a vessel in the hands of the Lord that draw even many of his countrymen and many of his people into Christ. Hallelujah. And so it is the story of many of us seated here. Through this man and his obedient covenant family community church became a church, became a family that you and I can be part of it. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. So if you look at our lives today, if you tend to look at your neighbor, you will come to the understanding of the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. And so it is something that is very important that we all draw our minds to. Now, the gospel, what is the gospel? We've shared many times that the gospel is virtually what we call the good news. It is also what we call the glad tidings. So it is the good news of salvation, the good news of hope, the good news of deliverance, the good news of healing, forgiveness, and all the things and all the good things that God promises. It is glad tidings for us who are destined to die, who are destined to spend eternity in hell. It is glad tidings to us. It is good news to us. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. In the scriptures, in the book of Mark, chapter 1, the verse number 14 to 15, if you can quickly turn your Bibles with me there. The Bible says that now after, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. So in here, Jesus came declaring and proclaiming that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that brings men liberty, the kingdom of God that brings men freedom, the kingdom of God that brings men hope for the future has come. And he, was, he said it has come because it has come in his person. The one standing there and announcing and declaring was the one that has come to fulfill this promise. And he said that that kingdom of God has come and it is at hand. Hallelujah. And therefore instruct all men to repent. Hallelujah. To repent and to believe in this good news. Hallelujah. So that is to Jesus the gospel to the world. That they may believe. That they may repent. And that they may be saved. And that they may be able to enter into this kingdom of God. Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the verse number 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the verse number 1 to 4. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which is preached to you unless you believe in vain. Hallelujah. So here again, Paul, go on to the verse. Okay. For I believe, for I deliver to you first of all that which is able, which is, which is, I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, and the, third, and the third day, according to the scriptures. Hallelujah. So, in here, virtually Paul is declaring to us the full component of the gospel. And what was he saying? Apostle Paul says that, brothers and sisters, I remind you, of the gospel which I preached to you. It is the same gospel which I received that brought me salvation. It is the same gospel I am given to you by which you stand. And he went on to declare what the gospel is. He said that by this gospel you and I are saved. And if we continue to hold firmly to this word that was preached to us, which is the gospel, he said that for what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he raised, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So the full gospel as Paul will present it is the death of Christ dying for the sins of all mankind also that Christ died and he was buried. And also he did not remain in the grave, but he was raised up on the third day, so that through him all men can receive salvation. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. So when we talk virtually about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel is about Jesus, about his life, about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, 
I will add about his accession and about his coming back again. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. When we go out there to share the gospel, this is all about the gospel. The gospel is not about a soap opera. The gospel is not about politics. The gospel is not about any other thing. But the gospel is about our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It is about his death. It is about his burial. It is about his resurrection. It is about his accession. And it's about his return. That he is coming back to take all of us even to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Now... We want to look at a few things in Mark chapter 16, the verse number 15 to 18. Quickly turn your Bibles there with me. Again in here the Bible says that, and this was Jesus. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. This miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with, with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't, hunt, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Hallelujah. So in here again, Jesus commands his disciples, which you and I are part of it. Hallelujah. He commands us to go. And he commands us to go into all the world, including Ghana, including Labadi, including everywhere where you live, your family, your home, everywhere. We are commanded to go everywhere. To do what? To preach the good news. To preach the gospel. To preach about Jesus, preach about his death, preach about his burial, and preach about his resurrection. Hallelujah. Preach that through him, forgiveness is given unto all men. In here we see that the gospel of which has been entrusted to us is a universal message. Hallelujah. That it can be preached to the Ewe, it can be preached to the Gas, it can be preached to the Fantis, It can be preached to the Englishman. It can be preached to the Russian. It can be preached to everyone. Hallelujah. And it must be preached everywhere. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. It's a universal message that has the power and the capability of delivering men from the penalty of death and damnation. Hallelujah. Another thing we see also in the scripture is that Every human being is made in the image of God. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says that we must go everywhere and preach this gospel to everyone. In the book of Genesis, the chapter number 1, the verse number 27, we hear that God said he created us in his very image. Whether you are, whatever color you are, or whatever tribe you are, You are in the very image of God. Hallelujah. And it is God's responsibility to reclaim back that which belongs to him. Hallelujah. And the only thing that can do that is the gospel that has been entrusted into our hands. Hallelujah. Another thing we see from this scripture 
in the book of Mark is that every human being is born in sin and is separated from God. You can find that in Romans chapter 3, the verse number 23, and then Romans chapter 6, the verse number 26. In Romans chapter 3, the verse number 23, the Bible says that for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 6, the verse number 23, the Bible tells us that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. So in here we see that every human being on earth that is born by a man and a woman is born in sin. And because of that is separated from God. They cannot call God their God. They cannot inherit God's promises. They cannot also make their way to heaven if they, if they continue to abide in their sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another thing we need to take note of is that the way of forgiveness and internal life is only through Jesus Christ. And this is true for every human being. According to John chapter 14, the verse number 6, if you can put it on the board for me, the Bible says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Hallelujah. Also in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts chapter 4, the verse number 12. The book of Acts chapter 4, verse 12, please. The Bible says that there is, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. So, in here we see that it is only Jesus that through him, man can be forgiven. Through him, man can obtain eternal life. Through him, man can ever be reconciled with their God and with their heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And these are truths that we can debate it, we can fight it. It doesn't matter how much you love the person. If the person does not meet these standards, the person will die and go to hell. Hallelujah. And, that, and for that reason, we are commanded to make this good news known to everyone among us. And from the scriptures we read, particularly from the, um, the book of Mark, chapter 16, the verse, number, um, the verse number, let me see, verse 17, Mark 16, 17, the Bible says that, okay, verse 15, it says that, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and baptizes will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Hallelujah. It is either you believe and you are saved, or you refuse or reject the good news and you are condemned for eternity. There's no but, there's no excuse to this, and there's no pardon. The only way for salvation, 
the only way to earn salvation is through the gospel. It's through Jesus Christ who came to die and to lay down his life. We also say that when they embrace the gospel, when they believe the gospel, the Bible says that they shall be saved. They shall be translated from the power of the kingdom of darkness from hell into God's marvelous kingdom. Hallelujah. If they believe, they shall be forgiven. If they believe, they shall be reconciled back unto their creator. But if they refuse, the Bible says that they stand condemned forever and ever. Hallelujah. And so these are very, very important things that as we go out there to engage our community, as we go out there at our offices or wherever we find ourselves, these are truths we can do anything about no matter how much we love that individual. They must come under these truths in order for them to be saved. Hallelujah. Now, why should we proclaim the gospel? Or why must we share this gospel? I've already established one. According to Romans chapter 1, the verse number 16, the Bible says that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel must be proclaimed for the reason that through it, salvation comes to man. Hallelujah. The another thing, another reason why we must share the gospel. Let's also look at um, Luke chapter 24, the verse number 46 to 48. Luke 24, the verse number 46 to 48. The Bible says that, and this was Jesus after his resurrection. When he appeared to his disciples, the Bible says that he told them, this is what is written, that the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Hallelujah. In here we see that Jesus said, we should go into the world and preach repentance, preach forgiveness of sins to everyone in all nations. And the Bible says that we are the witnesses of this message. Today we have become part of this community of witnesses because we too have come to believe and our lives have been transformed. We have encountered Christ and something has rocked on our lives. For that reason, what we encountered, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have tasted and touched, we must also carry it out there and share it with our neighbors, with our communities, with our loved ones and with our family members. Hallelujah. Another thing for the reason for we to share the gospel it also, can also be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse number 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The Bible says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
The new creation has come. The old has gone. The, the new is here. Hallelujah. And I want to read it again. It says that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. This is transformation. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. The Bible says that through the gospel, through the sharing of the gospel and the propagating of the gospel, if anyone comes to believe it, the Bible says that that person is translated from the place of old, from the place of sin, from the place of domination into a place of internal life. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he ceased to become that old person and now he becomes a new creation. Hallelujah. Total transformation. Anyone that believes the word of God, anyone that embraces this gospel about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Bible says that receives a new life, receives total transformation of his life. Hallelujah. Another reason for this gospel to be preached and the reason why it brings transformation is that we can also find is that it gives internal life. Hallelujah. In John 3, 16, for the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but that have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Or have internal life. Hallelujah. So the gospel is able to give man internal life. And this is to buttress all that I have said from the beginning. I am just trying to bring your attention to the importance of this gospel which we have received. That we need to, we need to send it or we need to communicate it and propagate it. Hallelujah. Because from all that I have said, we can see that the gospel has power to transform men. It has power to change men. It has power to make people what God wants them to be. It has power to bring internal life to people. It has power to set them free from the shackles of the enemy. I want to pick a few things of what the gospel can do or what the gospel did in the Bible. First, we want to take the book of Acts, chapter 9, the verse number 1 to 19. And I will just probably sum it up because of time. So the Bible says that then saw the book of Acts. Okay, let me sum it up. In this passage, we saw saw the prosecutor the persecutor of Christians, encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And through this encounter, Saul's life was transformed. His eyes were opened, and he became one of the most influential figures in spreading the gospel. Today we read about Paul. Nothing changed Paul, but it was his encounter with Jesus. Hallelujah. It was a gospel that turned a murderer, that turned such a man into such a powerful missionary and a powerful apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the transformation power of the gospel. Another story we hear or we can read is in the book of Acts chapter 16, the verse number 25 to 34. 
And again, this was about Paul and Silas, who were in prison. And the Bible says that while they were in the prison, they were preaching the gospel. And as they were preaching the gospel, the Bible says that one time an earthquake occurred, and which opened the prison doors. And the Bible says there was a jailer that was supposed to supervise or watch over them. But he realized that the prisoners, or he realized that the doors of the prisons have opened. And to him he thought that they have all escaped. And so the Bible says he started shouting and asked Paul and Silas what he, or what has happened. But the Bible says that Paul announced and said to him that they have not gone. They are still around. When he heard the gospel, he asked them what he must do for him to be saved. And the Bible says that Paul spoke to him. He believed the word, he believed the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he was saved. Not only him alone, but the Bible says that him and his household believed the gospel, and they were transformed. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. The transformative power of the gospel cannot be denied. In John chapter 3, the verse number 3 to 10, we saw also a city, I'm um, sorry, I'm reading from Jonah 3, the verse number 3 to 10. We saw how God sent his message through Jonah to Nineveh to preach and to share to them. And we saw how upon receiving the message, the Bible says that the people repented and they turned to God. And the whole city was transformed, was forgiven, and was saved and was pardoned because they heeded to the message that Jonah brought to them. The Word of God is able to transform lives. Not only lives, but it's able to transform cities, nations, families. It has power to change men. Hallelujah. It has power to break the bondage or the power of sin over men. Hallelujah. One story that really fascinates me is the story of the woman at the well. And that is a Samaritan woman. And I read it from the book of John, chapter number 1 down to 42. So this story tells us that Jesus, traveling, passed through Samaria. And there was a well of Jacob there and decided to stop over. The Bible says that as was there, whilst his disciples have gone to town to find some food, a woman came approaching the well to fetch water. And Jesus engaged this woman. Through their interaction, she came to know that Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus also said to her that or Jesus ended up also revealing himself to this woman by saying to her that if she, had, if she knew the one that she's talking to, she would rather ask him to give him internal life or to give him water that will never run away from him. The interaction tells us that this Jesus told the woman something that nobody or probably was a secret to her. There and there the woman realized that Jesus was the Messiah or Jesus was somebody special. 
The Bible says that the woman left Jesus and ran into the village or into the town and told the people to come to see a man that he has encountered. A man that, met, that she has met that has told her everything that she has ever done. The Bible says that those people she went to tell also followed him, to, followed her to come to see this man. What I realized from that story was that those in the village, they knew this woman. They knew the kind of life she was living. And so if, she, if they did not see a change in that woman's life, I don't think they would have rushed to follow this woman to come and see Jesus. But the Bible said they came, and it was because they saw transformation. They saw a change in this woman's life. And so they came to see what the woman was talking about. And this was Jesus, the Word of God. This was Jesus, the gospel whom we preach, encountering a woman of prostitution, a woman who was considered a sinner, a woman who was considered not worthy even to talk to Jesus. But her life was transformed upon encountering Jesus. Hallelujah. I will take another example in the book of Acts, chapter 19, the verse number 8 to 20. And this was the conversion of the city of Ephesus. Hallelujah. Again, Paul went into Ephesus to preach and to propagate the gospel to the people. And the Bible says that the people embraced, many of the people embraced the gospel. They believed and their lives were transformed. The Bible says that after, many who believed brought their sorcery books, magics, scrolls, and things that they were using in doing other many evil things, they brought them to be bent and committed themselves to following Jesus. What could bring such a transformation? It was the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, turning a whole city upside down. Hallelujah. The gospel has power. The gospel is transformational. The gospel shared is able to liberate men, set men free, bring men into the light, is able to reconcile men unto their curator. I want to share a story or a testimony. Many of us have had an encounter. And for that reason, we are part of this community of believers. Um, my, I've shared my story many times. But I remember when I was growing up in Takrade, Tubian, um, those who are in the army knows, I don't know if now it has changed, but Tubian was noted as one of the um, battalions or one of the barracks well known for, I mean, <laughs> it was, they were a very notorious people, let me put it that way. And that's where we grew up, we grew up from because my both parents were all working with the army. At a very tender age, 
I was introduced to many things. My mom was a very staunch Christian with the Methodist Church. And she was in the choir singing. And by the virtue of her ministry, I also ended up in the choir singing. Hallelujah. And so we go to, we go to church and robe the white and black Kwakwa Lubite dress. And you see us as young as we are in the choir singing. But whilst in the choir, we were doing all the evil you can think about. At a tender age, less than 11, 12 years, I was introduced to alcohol. I was introduced to womanizing. I was introduced and my um, womanizing was not just, uh, I don't know how to put it, a normal thing. We were introduced to so many things. As a matter of fact, when you come to the barracks there and you can't find your, your cow or your fowl or your, your goats, you will find them with us. Not alive, but uh, consumed. At a very young age. As a matter of fact, we did so many evil things. And many of the things we did, my parents didn't know any of it. Because that was a lifestyle in the barracks. And in those days, the, the, in the barracks, the recruits, when they come in, they are normally given um, houses or rooms to themselves. And most of the time when they are traveling for peacekeeping, we, the barracks boys, end up taking over or taking care of those rooms. And that is where we do all the evil things you can think about. Because we have a house or we have a room or we have, um, yes, a house to ourselves. But... One day, during the Liberia War, the UN sponsored a movie um, cast in Ghana, which happened, I think, in Achiase or something like that. So we were recruited to go and be part of the movie. And so we went there. It was there that I met a man called Kenel Azuri. He approached me, young man, and started chatting with me. And asked me whether I am saved. I said, yes, I'm saved and I, I'm in a choir. I sing and all of that. And he kept on interrogating me. And he realized that what I claim to be saved is not actually saved, but something else. So those men followed me. We were there, we were in the bush for almost a week. And every blessed day, when we go to the field to do whatever, when we come back, this man will come, take me down, take me through the scriptures, the Bible. He will read to me, he will explain to me. He did that for all the time that we were there. It was there that I came to the understanding of what true Christianity is all about. And I gave my heart to the Lord. We came back and we were separated because they came back to Accra and we went back to Takrade to continue. And I think after a year or two, I completed my um, JHS or whatever it is. So I came to Accra to continue my education. And there I met him again. And 
he followed me. It was like a close marking. He will visit me in school. He will sit down with me, teach me the word of God. I will put it, because those days we were not introduced to that world. I will put it, discipleship. He virtually discipled me for many years. Until I finished my secondary education. Imparted my life so much. So, the Atul Jackson you see, this is my beginning. Or this is where I started from. Hallelujah. And what you see today is the power of the gospel and how transformative it can be to my life. You can ask yourself, if this man has not come around, what would have been or what will my life be like? Hallelujah. Many of my people in those days, many of them have died. Many of them entered into the army. And when you meet them, many of them are drunkards and all kinds of things. But thanks be to God that he brought this man my way and brought me the gospel. And through the gospel, my life got transformed. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. I'll share with you another testimony. Many years ago, I think somewhere 2013 or so, we through a sister of this church got into a relationship or met a young man in a university and decided to settle down with that young man. That young man comes all the way from the north. They all went to KNUSC, studied there, and most of the time it will be the best, I mean, after such an education, you will like to be in the city to enjoy life and to earn more money. But this young man decided to go back to his roots, to go back home and offer his service there. And I'm speaking about Reverend Daniel Awunga and the wife. In 2009, he started a ministry through um, gathering children and all of that. He actually started a ministry, but the ministry was not growing because the place was very strong and hard ground place. I'm talking about Bongo Swain. But he gradually, you know, started something. And when things were not going well, he decided to start a school so that through the school, he can see what the Lord would do for him. We got encounter, or we encountered him in the year 2013. That was when we went to Bongo Sway, or um, our general overseer sent us to Bongo Sway to have, um, to partner with his ministry to start a church. I remember when we went there, I saw how the place looked like. I saw the people. I saw the, the town and how they were living. It was uh, an occultic place where all kinds of idol worship and all kinds of things happen. I've had many encounters, I have many interactions with Daniel, and he has told me many of the things that he himself has suffered spiritually and physically. People, the people didn't just want to give him the chance. But this young man persevered and continued to share the gospel with the indigents there. Every, apart from 2013, we've been going there virtually every year or 
or so. And any time we go into that village, we see glimpses of change. We see bits and pieces of change here and there. Hallelujah. But one change that really surprised me was, I think it was last year, we went there for their anniversary. By then now, we haven't been there for about two years or so. When we went there, we saw that the whole place has changed. Road has come into the community. There are lights. Previously, you will see mad houses and all of that. But realize that these mad houses have been broken down and block houses are being built. You could see change. You could see transformation in the lives, in the indigents, in the people there, particularly the youth and all of that. I remember there was one man, um, Osofo, um, went, we went, Osofo, we went with Osofo to his house um, to help his father burn his, um, what do you call it, um, idols and things. And I remember his story. He was so happy as to what the Lord was doing. And the Lord was not just blessing them spiritually, but they were being blessed physically. They were, they were prospering. You could see something was happening in the land. Hallelujah. And so I interacted with Daniel. And he says he himself is shocked. And I realized also that the church was growing. At the, at the, at the anniversary, there were so many testimonies that were shared. One of it that really, really, really got to me was this fetish. Who was the, the, the Ogboro or the champion fetish in that whole town? Had over 17 wives. But the over 17 wives was not my shock. But my shock was that when I was introduced to some of the wives, I was shocked. I was shocked to the extent that You know, pardon my words. Let me, I'm going to say something. Don't be offended. You could see beauty. Beauty. The young ladies, they were young. But they were beautiful. We, I met four of them. They were extremely beautiful. So I asked Pastor Daniel, what is happening is that man that handsome or what, what is about that man that he has such, <laughs> such beautiful young ladies like this? I remember what he said to me. He said that you remember the saying that, that's what I don't want to say, so that people will be offended, but it's okay. Leave me, leave me out. Hallelujah. But he said something, which we all know, um, but I won't say it. It's, it's all right. But I was shocked. To see that. And he had these beautiful young ladies over. So actually there were over 20 of them as his wives. Seven shrines. And one thing he said was that these women were virtually dominated by this, one, this man. But the man said to them that none of them can serve Christ. They also wanted to go and serve the Lord. And because of that, it became a banter between the church and the shrine. By the end of the day, God, 
The man died. Let me put it that way. Hallelujah. Because probably maybe he wanted to challenge the power of God. Four of these women were delivered from his hand. And at that anniversary came to testify of what God can do. Hallelujah. And when you see them, they were so excited. Even though the man's son has taken over the shrine and was threatening them. Just this evening when I was coming, I spoke to him. And was telling me that this man, this man had a, a wife. And the, the wife was attacked. Who doesn't want to um, be in the church? Was attacked in the night. And when is there somebody came there with a machete and was trying to cut her throat. And all what she said was that Jesus and the machete that the man was holding just dropped to the ground. And the man started running. And yet, she doesn't want to believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you could see that transformation. At that ceremony, we heard of undertakers sharing their testimony as to what the gospel has done to them. How they, they have given out all their jujus and all the, all, all the things they practice and all of and have surrounded their lives to Christ. I am talking about the transformative power of the gospel. Today, as I speak to you, when you go to Bongo, if you were with us in Bongo Swing maybe um, five years ago, when you go to Bongo Swing today, it's a different story altogether. Brethren, what am I saying? What I'm saying is that the gospel, which is the good news, has the ability and the power to bring transformation to men. Hallelujah. It has power to transform cities. It has power to transform nations. It has power to deliver people. There is a testimony that needs to be shared. But it will be shared at an appropriate time. There's a soul in this church. Today he didn't come. But Pastor Bimpong knows about this soul I am talking about. He's a well-known fetish guy. Probably all the idols and all the fetish, all the shrines in Ghana and beyond, he has visited. He carried rings and marks on his body. When you see him, and he's sharing his testimony with you, you'll be amazed. Men have tried their best to do all that they can to, to, to rescue this man. It wasn't possible. Until just recently, when the gospel reached him, he was broken down. He surrendered his life to Jesus. Today, his path of this church. We are waiting that one day he himself will share his story. We've been on mission fields where Reverend Dennis has bent many idols, many um, enchantment, and all of that. It is the gospel. Hallelujah. It is the gospel. Hallelujah. The gospel has that power to bring deliverance and transformation to people. The gospel has power to set the drunkards, the alcoholics, the prostitutes, the idol worshippers. Think about that. Anyone 
no one is out of reach of the gospel. Everyone, everyone, if only the gospel can reach them, the gospel will bring them to their knees. Hallelujah. Our family members can be saved. Hallelujah. Our bosses can be saved. Hallelujah. Our loved ones can be saved. Hallelujah. Labadi can be transformed. Hallelujah. Our communities can be transformed. All we need to do is to carry the gospel to them. Hallelujah. Before I bring my message to a close, we must all be encouraged and strengthened to share the gospel. In this month of evangelism month, I encourage you not to be ashamed of this gospel we proclaim. Hallelujah. This gospel that has brought salvation to you. This gospel that is transforming nations, transforming men and women, turning them into ministers and all kinds of things. We must not be ashamed of that gospel. There is a research that indicates that the best way to bring people to Christ is by we sharing our testimonies. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Sharing your testimony. Sharing how you were delivered. Many of you don't want to tell or testify about how you came to know Christ. In trade fair, most of the time when I'm sharing my story, some people, sometimes my wife gets a bit bothered. She gets a bit worried. Yes, that I'm sharing too much. But I am proud of what the Lord has done for me. Hallelujah. And I am not ashamed to tell the world because I don't know where I would have been. Hallelujah. And so, share your story. You also have a story. There's a song that says that everyone has a story. Isn't it so? Yes. Every one of us has a story. Be bold to share it. Hallelujah. After all, you are no more there. Hallelujah. You are now a new creation. Hallelujah. So you can tell what you wear. Let them laugh at you. But you are glorifying God for what he has done for you. This is what the research, this was the findings of the research that was conducted by the American Church Growth Research Company. So they interviewed about 10,000 people with this question. What was responsible for your coming to Christ and staying in this church? And these were the replies. Once, um, 3% of those people said that I had a special need. Another 3% of those groups said that I just walked in the church. And many a times we have such situation in our church here where people passing by just want to come in. That is okay. Another 6% of that 10,000 group said that, I like the minister. 1% said that I visited there. Probably somebody invited me and I visited. And that is why I am there. 5% said that I like the Bible classes. And we have heard it many times. One um, um, another 0.5% said that I attempted a gospel or I, I attended a gospel meeting. 3% of that group said that 
I like the church's programs. 79% said that a friend or a relative invited me there. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. I don't know who you have invited to come to Christ. I don't know who you have invited to come to church with you. Probably throughout this whole year. Even though the messages keep on coming, but you have not yielded. You have not given your heart to it. You have not practiced or you have not implemented it. When you invite people to church, the possibility of their staying and remaining is high. Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. So let us share our testimonies. Let us be bold to preach and to tell people about Christ. Let not this evangelism month or this evangelism emphasis month end only in November. But for the rest of the months to come and the rest of the years, may we boldly declare and proclaim Christ wherever we find ourselves. At our offices, at the marketplace, on the street, in our homes, at our family meetings, may we declare Christ. Hallelujah. May we proclaim Christ. Hallelujah. May we not be ashamed. Hallelujah. And therefore, I want to invite all of you on Saturday, come join us as we hit the street to engage the, the La, or Labadi community as we engage them with the gospel. Join us also on Sunday as we go out there for general outreach as we propagate the gospel. It shall transform life. It shall change people. And it shall bring people to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless His word in Jesus' name. Amen.